Hey there, we're those sci-fi guys, and this is that those sci-fi guys show. Just two working dudes, different lives, different jobs, but a whole lot of love for science fiction and the fun that comes with. We are your hosts. I am P.S. McKay, and as of this recording, Elon Musk has taken over our podcast, and I have officially been fired. I'm T.T. Cavman, and I can't wait for my new co-host. <laughs> I bet you can't. <laughs> Not to give it away, we don't give out day and date uh, when we record and everything, but uh, Elon Musk is officially in control of Twitter now. And he fired the the CEO and the CFO, I think. Those poor bastards, how are they yeah. ever going to live on what I'm sure is a disgustingly obscene severance package? Um, I'm sure there's some kind of parachute, yeah. <laughs> In some way or shape. Take or form. your fifty million dollars and get the fuck out. I can't I have no idea what it would be like to run a social media company. I, I mean it, it can't be In certain ways it's probably insanely frustrating. And in other ways, it can't be that hard logistically. I mean, mechanically, you've already got all the the engineers and everything in place. You just throw out the algorithms. But I had a roommate who was a CECS major, computer engineering science major. And he worked for Yahoo for a while. Is that even still a thing? I feel like it's No, (laughs) no. (laughs) He was there when Microsoft offered to buy yahoo that this is that long ago and the yahoo and the yahoo said no we're not doing that and the stockholders were fucking pissed at the ceo and that the ceo has i forget his name i want to say his first name is jeff but i could be very wrong stop it he walks by my roommate's desk and he's like hey guys what's going on and they're talking about their projects and stuff and he's like okay cool well, if you need me, um, I'm just going to be in my office hiding from the rest of the world wanting to kill me. So, <laughs> but so there's a certain level of responsibility there that that would wear on you, right? When you get that high up and things are worth billions of dollars, yeah. I think there might be a little stress. <laughs> but I'm thinking of like the day-to-day things. Like, what do they do? Well, I'm sure he goes shits in his uh, gold-plated toilet in his <laughs> private office bathroom, which also I'm sure includes a mistress suite and or a mistress suite. It all depends, you know. <clears throat> and I'm oh, sure he sure. can drink at work. Well, oh, no. Okay, so Yahoo, every Wednesday, would bring in a keg for each team. So they would have free keg Wednesdays. And, and yeah, my my, my roommate and, said that after and lunch. DUI. Yeah, and DUI, DUI Thursdays. Thursdays. <laughs> hey, it's DWI. Well, it's Wednesday. <laughs> Drinks with idiots. Yeah. <laughs> So, but yeah, they would order kegs and stuff, and and uh, he would try Wait to get me when the story is over. Bus. 
Are you really that bored, huh? I. You mean Yahoo? I actually I, well, yelled. I actually yelled at a friend of mine for actually picking Yahoo to be the source of our fantasy football <laughs> league this year. I'm like, you use Yahoo? I thought I was old because I still have an AOL email that I use for junk mail. <laughs> yeah, I remember that email. Ah, uh, I I know that email by heart because it's so it's such a short email. Well, I mean, I have a Gmail account. Ooh. I still have a Hotmail account. Yes. (laughs) H-O-T-M-A-L-E dot com. Yes. That goes to a different (laughs) website. It does, but they still host emails. (laughs) So... (laughs) Oh, goodness. Well, well I'm just Elon thinking... Musk wants to be mentioned on this podcast as much as you mention him on this podcast, he should be chipping in. Yeah, you should probably run that by him. I heard he's head of Twitter now, so you might be able to reach him that way. Yeah. If I get too close, I'll be having to smell Elon Musk, and I'm not up for that. Uh, he is He is thinking about getting into the perfume department. Yes. I mean, with a name like Musk, he literally said, how could I not? And I'll grant him that. (laughs) But aren't you interested in knowing what these new industries are doing and stuff? Because you're in a you're in a traditional industry. I'm in a traditional industry. And. I mean, I don't want to have the CEO gig at my company because that would suck. So a lot. The you know I know what I would be a CEO of a beer Fox company. Given? Oh no, yeah. <laughs> I literally <laughs> have none left. <laughs> I have no more fucks. People try to make me give a fuck at work. I've told people, I the last fuck I have is in my most recently worn uniform. It's hidden by the guns. Yeah. So that's it. It's heavily protected. Mm-hmm. And none of you people warrant me dusting it off. No. <laughs> nope. Not a, not at all. Beer company. You thought about doing a beer company? No, I think I was hoping to inherit one. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh. Okay, well, what what beer company would you call it? What would you call it? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, let me let me think on it. <laughs> As you drink the lager from Narragansett. Well, like every town has a brewery now, right? Especially up here. I drive down the main road connecting. Our town to that sleepy little town right next door. There's a brewery there. I was driving to drop my kid off for an after school program. I accidentally drove by the little local one in our hometown. That's so crazy. That did not exist when we were growing up. Micro brews. Sure they did. Just wasn't a craze. You might go to a place that would have its own beer. You know. But you, 
All right, I'm going to tie this into sci-fi real quick. I know you, I talked about this with you. Um, do you know the the book, the alternate World War II history books, uh, World War by Harry Turtle Dove, where aliens invaded during World War II? You read them. I did, but I told you about them, I'm sure. You did. Yeah. So one of the things was Earth was... Uh, under attack by aliens uh, interrupting world war ii so all the humans started fighting the aliens and they were these lizards they weren't that far advanced from what we are now like now presently 2022 um maybe just a little bit more but not much anyway the the big thing was which i found fascinating was the united states was actually under attack which you know so they, they had air raids and stuff, just like what Europe was going through, the United States was going through. A lot of supply lines were destroyed. Like the big breweries, and this is the side of the aside here, the breweries um, couldn't keep their supplies going. So a lot of local people just started making their own micro brews. And, well, I mean, there was that too, but... Like Most local, of them had local breweries. I'm sure a lot of them were left over moonshiners from Prohibition. Oh, sure. It was only yeah. 10 years. Well, looks like we're just enough to steal it, <laughs> Josephus. Yes. <laughs> um, Last year, I walked through a small cave in some of the greater uh, uh, mammoth cave systems uh, in Kentucky. and We walked through one that was maybe a quarter of a mile long underground about 20 feet underground and like see these things here these are leftover cisterns from moonshining jeez louise that's insane it was kentucky dude (laughs) well there's still a bunch of moonshiners in kentucky right now because apparently like there are whole counties that are completely dry and the atf like looks for them yeah not as many are dry as used to be right outside Fort Knox, Kentucky. The county was dry when I first joined the army. So that wasn't that long ago comparatively. And uh, it's, 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 uh, it's liquefied a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't the, the, the county where Jack Daniels is, is made, isn't that a dry county? I think it was, although technically I guess, it was what you might call a moist county where like some restaurants could serve. No, it's, it's it was a term. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but it was like like certain restaurants could get a liquor license and serve. Like we would go to the Mexican restaurant in town because you could get cerveza. Uh, they'd sell, you know, you get some tacos and beer, man. <laughs> or you'd have to go one town over to... But there weren't like there wasn't a liquor store in town, right? I don't even know if there still is a liquor store at all. But there's a Walmart, and I think the Walmart was selling liquor. Um, you know that you know that's funny. You know, down in a lot of southern states, you walk into a liquor store and you can buy, or you walk into a grocery store and you can buy alcohol, right? Hell, even in Ohio, not here. But we just repealed like the fucking blue laws like 10 years ago <laughs> when you couldn't buy booze on Sunday. At a grocery store? 
No, in a liquor store. Liquor stores weren't open on Sundays. Where you are now? Mm-hmm. Really? I didn't know that. That was like, it was like repealed like 15 years ago or something like that. Yeah. But they still have designated liquor stores where you are, where we used to live, where I used to live. Not you well, can't you yeah, can't sell of, you can't buy beer or liquor in a grocery store. Nope. You cannot. Interesting. That's why you have packies. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I'm grocery stores out here in California you can. So there and they also have like there were some that would only sell like like beer and wine. You couldn't get any hard liquor. But then right. when I was out in the Midwest, I was walking through, I'm like, this thing has a little like cubicle with its own cash register inside that had like the Kroger's would have like a little like cubicle where you could go in and yeah. buy liquor. Yeah. It was like having a little liquor store inside the grocery store. That's interesting. But you could go down, you know, to the beer aisle and grab beer. When I was in college and traveling for the USC games, uh the 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 band the marching band we i traveled with the marching band they were big partiers all of them I, it's so weird how in college the 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 marching band are are not geeks and nerds they're like actually appreciated in college which is weird um i love it i i loved them and but one of the big things was they're they're uh the person in charge of their travel always had to find out what the blue laws were in all the states that they were visiting ahead of time to give the band members <laughs> heads up on how they could get their liquor while they were there. <laughs> you mean the ones who were over 21? No. <laughs> uh, statute of limitations is run on my part. So no. <laughs> But it, it was an interesting thing that you had to think about because the laws are just so different wherever you travel out here. And I'm sure back east. I mean, you find a little bit more homogeneity from state to state, but the further you go out, it changes. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. Right. What if they changed it to 18 again? Well, you know, uh, for a while... Uh, some of the military bases in close proximity to the Mexican border maintained an 18-year-old drinking uh, age on post only. Interesting. Because I like that. they didn't want the soldiers going across the border to Mexico to get in trouble oh, drinking. Yeah. So they it's could just get arrested system. by the MPs on post. Yeah. <laughs> But it wasn't a bad idea. You know, I mean, there are people who have been harping on if you can vote at 18. Why can't, and you can enlist in the military and die for your why country. You drink? Why can't you have a beer? Right. Now, here's there, my there caveat is, on that. I don't think 18 year olds should vote. I don't. They're too stupid. <laughs> They're far too stupid. And, but technically, the human brain isn't even fully developed by 18. No, it's, it's fully developed at 26. 
And I, I, I know because literally I was thinking differently at 26 years old. Pretty much the same way I'm thinking now. But I knew I was really stupid at 23. Like, <laughs> but here's my thought. I don't think 18 year olds should vote. And then you're asking, well, Mac, what about the, the people who enlist or join the military at 18? Because we do need a fighting force. And that age has been shown to be a very capable age. Mostly. I know you've got a very different perspective, but. Um, oh, no, they to, can fight. To, yeah, to, to, to fight. Because, I mean, that's when you're at peak testosterone level for men. Like, you know, you, you have no fear almost like it's, it's crazy. And that's an asset. So my caveat is you can't vote at 18. You can't drink at 18. You can join the military at 18. And if you want to vote and drink at 18, guess what? You join the military. Oh, so you're saying that we raise the drinking age, the voting age, unless you in the military it's then it's like a special dispensation i almost yes it's a very special dispensation i almost want to say you can't vote unless you have unless you served that's very starship troopers of you i know it's very fascistic i know Uh, it's very close to that (laughs) let me me say this you're a citizen you You become a citizen from i'm not saying you can't vote you know but i and I, I'm not saying we need mandatory conscription, but I feel that there should be some sort of mandatory civil service. And there are ways to do that. Israel's got a way of doing it, by the way. You could join the, the Peace Corps, some sort of civic duty. You know, we we need more civic involvement, not just protesting, civic involvement, getting out there. Cleaning the street, you know, going out to the parks, cleaning the parks, not yeah. helping the homeless, you know, going like, out there, shaving the whales. Like there's there's something that fuzzy. Providence has. It's like it's called cityscape or something where. Uh, it, it's called mobs for kids. No, it's not that. No, it literally you are like doing a civil service buddies, for buddies. the city. Oh, God. <laughs> Buddy Cianci, everybody. <laughs> hey, Providence was doing just fine under Buddy Cianci. I was never a fan of him, but it's Great been mayor, shit ever since he left. Dude. Great mayor, terrible dude. Great mayor, awful person. Exactly. But it, it, but Providence has never been the same since he left, uh, and and anyone will attest to that. And honestly, he was worshipped as much as like Kim Il, uh, Kim Jong Il was <laughs> in in North Korea, but um oh, I forget the term. But yeah, in in when you graduate high school, you don't really have a job lined up, you don't have college lined up. You can join this civil service to help with inner city kids and other things like that. I mean it's a government job, but it it gives you Which a good resume nothing. pad. It pays zero. It it pays zero. But I mean, I was thinking about joining the Peace Corps after college because I had no idea what the hell to do. I decided to go into a cubicle instead. And I'm so happy for that. Yeah, I had an answer. Oh, wait, I don't work. I don't work in a cubicle anymore. Big pussy. (laughs) 
office space. Yeah. You speak for yourself, James. Yeah. <laughs> there, there is no, there's no movie that gives office work more than Office Space. My God, it really just exposed everything about that. You know, I had that some, life. <laughs> my first, my first unit. I, uh, there was some Office Space ish characters in my unit and i was talking this i'm like dude this is like office space and my buddy's like what's office space I'm like dude it's a movie it's only at that time it was only like three four years old you know like trust me you, you watch it you and your wife will probably get a big kick out of it because his wife was in the admin shop and i'm sure so he comes back one weekend. He's like, you know, we we decided to watch that movie this weekend. Like, what'd you think? He's like, dude, you were spot on. <laughs> Was it Wendell? And I believe Office Space. I swear it was like filmed around Austin, Texas. It was. Yeah, it was filmed in Texas, and had to have been Austin. Mike Judge. Yeah, Mike Judge is from Texas. Everything that. Everything that takes place that he does takes place in Texas. And you don't blame him. I mean, you just, you you know what you know. Right. So, like John Hughes, everything was around Chicago. Yeah, Illinois. I remember, I remember when that movie first came out. No one saw it. But I remember the advertisements on MTV for it. <laughs> yeah, and you know, it was, and it was, um. They re-ran it a million times on Comedy Central back in the day, so. Mm-hmm. That was actually literally the first DVD I ever bought. I bought. It was most excellent. The first DVD I ever owned that was given to me, The Rock. Oh, I, I do love that. <laughs> that, was, that was an amazing film. But, uh... We're we're letting our, our we're letting our <laughs> we're letting our mouths get away from us here, so uh, we can talk about the rock another time, which will just be nothing but placations and awesomeness. Hmm. Yes. What if rock? Don't jostle your mic as in much. the rock. Oh, sorry. What <laughs> if the rock was in the rock? You know what? He would take over Nick Cage's role. No one can take over a Nick I Cage. I know role. that's the problem, but you can't take over Sean Connery. He's royalty. Know, what Roger do you want? What you do you want him to be Ed Harris? You can't take over Ed Harris. Michael Bean. Yeah, Michael Bean needed a bigger role in that. I, I mean, Michael Bean was fantastic. I mean, we shared the same. We 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 lost the same blood in the same mud, like <laughs> or something like that. I don't remember. You probably know better than that. It was such a good movie, it really was. And then they talked about Roswell. I mean, literally that movie, that movie which is so grounded in hyper reality, goes ahead and talks about the alien landings in Roswell, like insane. It went it went genre bending right there. 
Just a tad. Just now, a they tad. Didn't say, now, they didn't say... He did hint the alien landings at Roswell, but he didn't say that they were real. He could have just... It's like he knew all the secrets behind these things. The Kennedy assassination and all this stuff. Sure. But... It was a I good mean, movie. We know what it was intended to, to mean. We all know. I... That was, uh, I think that was an early Jason Bay, wasn't it? Uh, um, Michael Bay. Uh, Jerry Bruckheimer. Yeah, it was a Michael oh, Bay movie, there... yeah. Jerry Bruckheimer brought in Michael Bay to do it. And uh, now I have to make sure that I'm not shoving my foot in my mouth. Um, but I remember the pace of it was just so jarring. It was so... Like, you literally had to stop and take a breath when they when when Sean Connery was getting his hair cut. Like, that was a moment where you could actually, like, breathe. <laughs> and the guy, the guy from the, the comedian from Boston Common, what was his name? Yeah, Anthony Clark. Yeah, Anthony Clark. He was just fantastic. Yeah, it was Michael Bay directed it. Jerry Bruckheimer gave him his his opportunity with this movie. Yeah, and apparently they were going to, like, try to... They needed a little extra money, and the studio denied it, and Connery walked in and basically lit up the Disney executives. Yeah. This guy's doing a great job, so give him the fucking money. That's basically what I think this this, this story went. He, like, dropped a couple of F-bobs. He's like, if you don't give money, I'm out. They're like, okay, okay. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, at that point, they spent how much money already on it? And then Connery walks... That's leverage, my friend. Oh, that's that bad. Leverage. Yeah. That was such a good movie. So anyway, that what was that was like about? 90s action crack. <laughs> that was okay, I would say if we're talking about 90s action, I would say that Speed was the proto 90s action movie and The Rock was peak 90s action movie, teaching everyone else how to do it after that. Yeah. Summer blockbusters, man. Mm-hmm. Then and then and then the vault and then volcano happened. Ah, but that was a TV <laughs> movie, wasn't it? No, that was with Tommy Lee Jones and uh uh what's her face? Uh gosh, that married Ellen dated oh, Ellen. Anne Hayes, she's Anne Hayes. I know she died, she just died tragically, I know. Uh, very sad, by the way, because number one, dealing with horrible demons, but number two, she was actually, she actually went through a lot of shit growing up. She put herself in a school when she was seven years old. Her parents were neglectful. Like she was thinking at seven years old, I have to go to school. So she just got up one day, started walking to school and found the closest one, which was a Catholic school. Or a very private school or something. And like someone saw her. And they. I know this is an aside. But someone saw her and said. Well sweetie what are you doing here? She's like well I need to go to school. And I don't I don't have a school. And so this person saw her. And you know took her, took her under their wing. And got her enrolled. Was able to get her a scholarship at this private school. And you know was introduced her to. I mean that school introduced her to acting. Showing her what she could do. So think about that. At seven years old, she randomly came across this school because she thought she had to go to school, and that school influenced her to be an actress. 
crazy, right? It's insane. So you got wow, you, know, you almost got to think about what if. I know, I know. Uh, she lived a tough life. All right, and she'll be missed. What if you had a more positive transition? I don't. <laughs> yes, and. <laughs> So, DT, what brings us together tonight? Well, you know, it's it's something that's been kicking around. One of the things that uh, I mentioned the last time my family and I have um, done is started watching Futurama from start to finish with the occasional skip for something that the <laughs> subject matter might be a little much for my kid. But we did come to the first uh, anthology of interest. Okay. Which, and that is in which Farnsworth invents the what if machine. And then mm. every and then people get to ask him a question. What if this happened? And then there's the little vignettes of what happens if Bender was 500 feet tall? What happens if Leela was more <laughs> uh, impulsive? I remember so, that episode. I found that I found that. That was peak sci-fi because I would, I mean, who wouldn't want to have a machine like that just to see? I don't know if I would have the guts to be able to do that, though. A man can dream, though. A man can dream. Okay, well, if there was a what-if machine, would you have the guts to be able to do it? Because it could potentially sour you to the life that you currently have. And I'm talking about not just jobs. But wife or spouse and child, like it could sour you potentially or or here's the caveat. Here's the risk could make you completely happy with what you have, like much more satisfied than what you are now. Who says you need to look at a what if for your own life? I could have said, what if David Tyree didn't make that shitty catch and suit? In the Super Bowl, and the Patriots went undefeated. Okay, well, I'm apparently thinking like a girl because I'm thinking about my hey, life. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey! No slandering. No, there's no Nobody slandering. Second. That that is what that is literally. I'm not. Stop it. That is literally. Uh, dudes don't think about themselves. Apparently, I'm thinking about myself. Uh, you know, I might. And you know what? What if? You know what if I uh, I had gone to the military academy instead of going to my alma mater and doing ROTC? Would that have changed things? What if? Uh, you know, I started drinking brown liquor like all the other assholes I served with in the RA. Uh, yeah, actually, I would like to see that one. <laughs> I don't like brown liquor. No, no, <laughs> you've made that clear. <laughs> but then you can also, well, what if I chose this different assignment? What would have happened? Well, that's interesting. I mean, uh... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, that, and that's the key right there. Like, would that have made your life that much sweeter and make you resent what you have now? 
Would it have made a difference? Or would it have made a difference? I mean, we don't know. And that's that's the risk you run, right? When you mm-hmm. run this what-if machine. I don't think I'd want to roll those dice. I'm not a gambler. I honestly don't think I would want to do that. What if the sequel trilogy was good? Uh, well, everyone's life would be very different. <laughs> we wouldn't have the same YouTubers on, that's for sure. <laughs> they just bitch about something else. No. They they could still bitch about Star Trek, that's for sure. But <laughs> what if they started Discovery in the thirty first thirty second century? Well, then there wouldn't have been any problems. I honestly think that I honestly think. Okay, is this really what our topic is? Because we're we're moving in. Well, you know, we thought what ha- what you know we we'd seen Marvel's What If, and we yeah. enjoyed it. It was based on a comic book series where they had some of these what-if stories. Um, Star Wars actually had its own comic book series that did this. It was like Star Wars Infinities or something like that, where it was like a couple of different versions of the original trilogy movies. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mentioned the the what-if machine on Futurama, and we've all seen that. I mean, It's a Wonderful Life is a what-if story. Yeah. It is. Of, I mean, the, most of the, of the stories in in Hollywood about with what ifs are you need to appreciate what you have because what you could have had was is so much worse. Oh, except except the Nick Cage bringing Nick Cage back, the Nick Cage vehicle, Family Man. Or how about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino? Oh, you know, I didn't finish that one. I fell asleep. I, I fell. As, I it was we started it late. It wasn't because it wasn't good. I just, I, 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 I had, it would have been a long day and I feel bad. And we, we rented it by the time that I could get back to it. The rent was, the rental was no longer available to watch. I watched that movie on a plane on my last trip to Saudi and I was watching it. I was like, you know what? I've heard good things. I, I, I did enjoy Pulp Fiction. I'm up and down on Inglorious Bastards. But, you know, so Tarantino is kind of hit or miss with me. But (laughs) (laughs) once upon a time in Hollywood, for the most part, it's fascinating and it's fun at times. But I was waiting for like the the trademark, like brutal stuff. We get all like, oh, it looks like there's only like 10 minutes left in this movie. Yeah, I guess Tarantino's yeah. branching out. Nope the the whole slaughter fest was at the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was typical Tarantino like blood and you know like ridiculous fight scene kind of stuff. There was one thing that made me laugh, gave me the <laughs> you know that like shocked laughter. Mm-hmm. You know basically. But a lot of people get when they watch uh, Family Guy or South Park nowadays. Yeah, yeah. And they just when they just throw the the uh, the the turd hand grenade in the middle of uh, <laughs> the episode, it's some shock humor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what if they put Discovery in the thirty first century like it is now? I have always said. That I think everything 
almost everything in Star Trek Discovery would have been pretty much forgiven if they decided to have it further out in the future. And not even that far. Not even that far. If they dropped him about, you know, whatever it was. It's even what is 50 it about? years eight, in the future. Eight, what, is, what is it about? 800 years, years, though? It is, but we're talking 50 years after TNG, right? Well, and yeah, I and say TNG didn't... because Nemesis was the last movie of that whole Berman era. And that was mm-hmm. the last episode of the Berman era, basically, before Enterprise went back in time. So we didn't know what was going on at all. Right. After that in 2002. Aside from the hints of the temporal Cold War Enterprises first couple of seasons. Right. Uh, but. Yeah, no, I get it. And. I mean, but you jump that far ahead, then you could even play off the Klingon things where like there's some mutagenic plague. Right. It was you it was a cannon break. And you're like, we want the Klingons to look creepier and whatnot. And. I don't know, they, they tried to infuse their DNA or something with more, you know, animal, or it was a mutagenic plague or something like that. You could explain it sci-fi ways, and then then you could buy, well, that's not what I'm used to, but the Klingons do change every 20 years. It doesn't, <laughs> but it doesn't break established canon. It's right. just, I would probably still wouldn't love it, but it would make a hell of a lot more sense. It wouldn't. It wouldn't have had. Uh, don't get me wrong. The writing, if you keep all things, uh, everything else being equal, the writing still was not good. Um. No, but you could forgive some of the shit. But you could, like, you could even forgive the spore drive. Like, which well, is the a terrible drive, thing. The spore drive would make a lot more sense. Exactly. For in the future, they literally right. had to like send discovery to the future and wipe all memory of it. And the spore tribe from Starfleet Records, or classify yeah. <laughs> it so deep. I mean, but again, it, it thus brings questions. If we were getting our asses kicked so badly in the Dominion War or by the Borg, why didn't something like Section Thirty One leak this somewhere? Because that's and what they they're all have. about. Exactly. They would have, but they didn't, and that's the issue. I mean, they spat in the face. If they didn't spit in the face of fans. By destroying the canon that they did, the criticism, because first of all, we all know that the criticism started with the canon and they destroyed everything we loved about it canon wise. And then that just gave people excuses to nitpick the shit out of this show. And again, you didn't have to look very far into the writing that wasn't that great. But it could have been more forgiven. if, if, If the canon was still not besmirched i feel if it wasn't total hot garbage you know what they did to stuff i mean the uniform the uniforms broke consistency they Mm -hmm. the technology just looked too good you know they i mean enterprise and deep space nine did a lot with their technology to recreate the tos look and feel in a couple of episodes and i appreciate that respect yeah yeah the next generation did it too when scotty fucking had mm-hmm. his holodeck moment they had to borrow the captain's chair from a fan which by the way bravo 
Yeah. <laughs> well played, guys. You know, it's kind of like how Favreau and Filoni called on the 501st Legion to fill out their stormtrooper needs. Yep. Yeah. By the way, those dudes are ridiculous. The library at Fort Knox has like a Star Wars read program like every year. And so uh, we got some stuff last year while we were there. But the when they have their Star Wars read day, they have uh, people from the five from the local chapter of the 501st showing up in their amazing costumes. They even brought prop speeder bikes. Jeez Louise. It all looks so authentic. And it's sitting there yeah. in this little, the little post library at Fort Knox. <laughs> and I wished that it happened while I was still there because my kid would have been over the moon. And to be honest with you, so would I. Yeah. Because <laughs> that would be about as close as we could get to the galaxy's edge shit for a mm-hmm. while. <laughs> Oh, speaking of which, uh, a Facebook memory came up where I visited uh, Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland three years ago today. And oh my. the video is of the stormtroopers from the sequel trilogy coming up and questioning my son. Like, do you know where the rebel spy is? And then my son points to beyond behind the the soldier and the soldier looks looks behind him and as he turns away mac jr just runs in the opposite direction <laughs> and, I, think, I think you've seen it I, uh, yeah, I think so I, yeah <laughs> they were doing those things back before they built the galaxy's age when we went in 2019 we were walking through, and they would have the little periodic parade of stormtroopers near some of the Star Wars yeah. teams at uh, Hollywood Studios. And I think one of them came up and was like looking at me, like, "Are you eyeballing me?" And I was like, "Yeah, back, back <laughs> off, bro." <laughs> I was like, "You don't want any of this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. The stormtrooper went to my son and said, "I've got my eye on you." <laughs> so. That was fun. That's a neat little memory. I like that. Um, yeah. What were you saying about? Oh, the five hundred first. Okay. No, well, we've got to get back you. to our topic. Yeah, this to Star Trek. Um, I'm in agreement with you completely about it. I, 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 I mean, it wouldn't have had as harsh a, a lashback as it did, uh, because doing that wouldn't have completely spit in the face of what the fans love and expected of the show. Well, it setting it so later. Much, it, it just broke so much continuity that we'd seen right. through 45, 50 years worth of materials. It didn't have to be that hard. Look at what they did when they brought the enterprise back finally in strange new worlds. Can you tell? I mean, like it was Pike's quarters, like, twice the size of Kirk's quarters on the Enterprise? Sure, but I'm willing to give a little room there, you know? I literally am willing to give room. I wish that they didn't shit on the Big Red costume. Uh, Big Red uniform. I'm just saying, but that's a a nitpick. That's a nitpick. Do I wish they they dusted off something from the archives? Sure. Or even (laughs) just made, made one that fit Hanson Mount. All those were sold off. All of those archives were sold off in 2005 at the Christie's auction. 
everything. I am sure they could have gotten their hands on an original. I'm sure some fans would have flipped at being able to bring their stuff in. They could have put a call out on Twitter. Hey, that implies there that that the producers love the fans. But right now, because the fans are so mad at them, the producers find the fans to be foes. Well, so what we need is what what if Star Trek did what Disney did and put Favreau and Filoni or, you know, <laughs> Star Wars fans and lore masters in charge of a lot of the projects? Well, that's the problem because Star Wars has its own issues right now. Apparently, Andor is not doing very well. At all. I've heard, but it is amazing. Now, it is definitely a lot more cerebral than I think a lot. It's definitely more cerebral. You got to pay attention to shit. Yes. You can't you can't just be surfing the web while you're watching it. You have to it's like it's like watching Downton Abbey. You have to well, you have to put everything it's, down. It's it's forced me to to get back to doing that and it's worth it if you do. <laughs> it is. It absolutely is. I mean they brought Andy Circus back this week. Oh, did they? Uh-huh. As what appears to be a very different character. And he's good. What was he what was he previously? Remember he was supposed he was Supreme Leader Snoke. Oh, that's right. How what if, stupid what of if me. Disney did something with Supreme Leader Snoke. Oh, my God. They're not. They're not going to touch it with a 20-foot pole, but yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm, and I'm this, might, this might be like Favreau and Filoni going, hey, man, sorry. You, you, yeah. you, want, a, you want a character with some depth or something? We know you got a raw deal. We're sorry. <laughs> and I mean, I think... I think they must executive produce because they're not the ones running this show, but it is good. Yes. No, they're they're yeah they're executive producers. Like I said, I mean for Andor, they had to try harder, and so they got better writers and they got better producers for it. So, that being said, you saying if they had Favreau, someone Favreau like. And in in charge of Disney, I'm sorry, in charge of Star Trek, they did. They had Brian Fuller and then they fired him. Right. So um, and I actually think that Brian Fuller wasn't doing I mean, most of the stuff that we hate or not, not we, but me yeah, yeah, yeah. is stuff that he came up with, like retconning Spock's sister and calling her Michael. Or the spore drive. Although I hear that the spore drive was only supposed to exist on a planet-wide basis, on a planet with a bunch of mushrooms on it. It wasn't supposed <laughs> to be a galactic thing. So what you're saying is these guys were stoned. <laughs> Got it. Oh yeah, of course. Paul Stamets, the the engineer, is named after Paul Stamets, the scientist who is in the forefront of fungi research. And he's actually a very brilliant man. You hear him talk, you you can already when you hear him talk, you were like, "Wow, this guy's on a different level." Not high, but he's on a different level. Yeah, I get that. So, okay. Anything you else you want to add about? If. I do. So let's roll into it. It's a little bit more concrete. Star Trek into darkness. 
What if it was good? <laughs> well, here's what, what, this, this is what I'm thinking. Yeah, uh, that's true. Into darkness? Into darkness, yeah. Um, so here's my thought. We all knew that it was Khan that was going to be the bad guy. What if it wasn't Khan? <laughs> no, but that would have been interesting. I'm actually accepting the idea that Benedict Cumberbatch was Khan. Fine. They were going a different direction with Khan at this point when Khan was working hand in hand with Kirk. And I'm sitting here going, okay, this is interesting. Like they're working together for a shared purpose. I, you know what? If this plays out and it's really this bad admiral that they're fighting against and Khan actually is on Kirk's side, this is a good alternate universe story because in the other, other universe, Khan was bad, or not bad, but he was an antagonist in the sense that he, he had bad, such dude, different. He was bad. He, yes, he had such different goals. That they were incompatible with with the Federation and Kirk. But in this movie, it forced Khan to change his goals so that they were simpatico, not in line, but simpatico with what the Federation had and what Kirk had, and that was to defeat Admiral Robocop. Admiral Marcus, which, by yes. the way, you get to see Khan show off his strength when he crushes his hand. Well, we we hear we we hear it, we we don't see it. <laughs> we just see Alice Eve scream with a mouth wide open, and we know that that scream was done in post. And, and you, you you get uh, full Cumberbatch. Yeah. <laughs> But what if, what if they made it so that Khan wasn't the ultimate bad guy? I mean, do you think that that would have made for a more intriguing story for, for Star Trek Into Darkness? And probably salvage whatever third movie it was going to be, Star Trek Beyond. Uh, I thought Star Trek Beyond was good. I thought it was a much better story than than Star Trek Into Darkness, but everyone's pissed, so pissed off by Into Darkness, they didn't see Beyond, including they, me. So Beyond, they 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 didn't need to do anything different in in Beyond, because I think after the rough reception that you're right, I believe rough reception to Into Darkness's twists you know, kept people from going to see Beyond, which hurt its potential, which kept us from getting a fourth Kelvin movie. Absolutely. So, you're right. I I love Cumberbatch. I think he plays a great villain. I thought it was if, good. So, here's what I think should have happened, okay? This is where I'll give you my what-ifs. So, if you want to keep Cumberbatch... He's got to be John Harrison, but John Harrison's got to be like son of Khan. Because, come on, dude, Khan, Noonien, Singh, and this the guy's whiter than Wonder Bread. Not cool. Well, there are, was he, was he, um, he was Sikh, right? He was supposed to be South Asian. He was or Sikh. He was a Sikh. Something. Was he? I think so. Are you gonna look it up or am I? Yeah, you're reaching I'm not for your look beard. It up. He's he's got he's got no beard. 
Con Noonien Singh, right? Yes. Con Noonien Singh Seek. Nope, that's not how you spell Seek. There we go. Um, let's see. Fill in the fill in the fill in the the the, the silence here. <laughs> well, I he might have been Indian, I think, but I do not believe he was a Sikh because that just doesn't really track with what the Sikhs were in the 20th century. He was genetically modified. That that goes to show what the genetic modifications would do, despite his cultural upbringing. So no beard. I mean, he was a bad guy. He should have had a beard anyway. Isn't, isn't that always the case in the sixties? Sorta. I think I got the idea that he was Sikh from the book where we, where they, the two books on the eugenics wars, uh, um, so the with Gary Cannon. Seven, yeah, the Beta Canon. I think that's where I got it from because I'm not finding it readily available right now. Perhaps. We also never see him carry a knife, which if he was a true Sikh, he would have had to. True. All right. So let's say that he's South Asian. That that that's a fair assessment because. Yep. So. Cumberbatch is wider than both of us. (laughs) Yes, yes. Don't get me wrong. Uh... Love him. Fantastic actor. If he was. A descendant of Khan could have worked. I think it would have right. okay. been okay. a little less offensive okay. just because remember how the augment arc in Enterprise was pretty well received. It was, it was actually very well done. And we it know also, this, it, yeah. It also spun off the not only the eugenics wars tying in Khan, but it also tied it into the cybernetics and and you know, the Soong family, which I thought was good. I thought it was a, a better version than the Soongs we got in Picard this and, last season. And it was the and it was the the catalyst for the, the, the Klingons looking closer to human. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so. Anybody who hates our enterprise really needs to go back and rewatch at least seasons three and four. I understand why there's anger towards it because I was pissed off they're trying to inter- introduce the the Frangi without introducing them. They did I, it with the Borg too. I know they did it with the Borg. I felt the Borg was a much more uh, organic well, story. Yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah, they spun it off of First Contact. They did. They did. So I I, I could give that a pass, and the Borg would have been classified at that point and everything, and you know. Section 31. Hey, look, <laughs> so, I will never turn down Jeffrey Combs coming back as a Ferengi. No. <laughs> was it? it was, wasn't it Jeffrey Combs and Ethan Phillips? Weren't they the Ferengi or something? I don't know if Ethan Phillips was. Or it was Clint Howard or something. There was like... A, Wait, Ethan was Phillips was, uh, was Quark, right? No, that was Neelix. Armin oh, yeah, Shimmer. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if Ethan Phillips... Uh, was in those first two. Armin Shimmerman, uh, yeah. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Um, but yes, okay, I will agree. Descendant of Khan, good. 
the fact that he Ethan was on Phillips, the, Clint the Federation Howard, side. Jeffrey Combs. In what episode? Acquisition. In Enterprise? Enterprise. Yeah, that was the Ferengi episode on the on Enterprise. I didn't know Se- that that was all about. Season, yep, season one, uh, episode 19, Jeffrey Combs, Ethan Phillips, Clint Howard. Well, shit. Now I have to watch it. <laughs> A lot Which, of Star Trek actors came back for Enterprise. They and did. They did. In what circumstance? He just was a an alien on a planet, but it was Rene uh, Abrazonois. It's not good old Odo. Rene. Good old Rene. Um, okay, uh, I want to get back to on track here. <laughs> yeah. So, Descendant of Khan, I will buy. I, I'm in agreement with that. I like that. Add in the fact that he is not the antagonist. Yeah, I like that. I think that that would be a good curve, too. Um, But even taking out the idea of him being a descendant of Khan, him not being the antagonist, I think would have been a neat little little twist. Mm. Not a mystery box, you know? You know, there could be the twist where... You know... uh, no, never mind. Yeah. Um, but no, you're right that he is actually. I mean, there was the twist a little bit of the torpedoes being loaded with the augment people. Um, right. But I mean, interference of the prime universe, Nero, dramatically altered the technology of that century anyway. Plus, I'm just willing to give that a pass. Right. Plus, then you reintroduce augments that are now on the side of good. You know. Would be interesting. Would Plus, be interesting. If John Harrison, the descendant of Khan, was an ally, then you could bring Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch back. <laughs> bring back old BC. Now... There has never been a movie that enraged me more than Star Trek Into Darkness. Like, I literally wanted, I literally wanted to pick up my chair and gash the screen after watching that. I went on a rant, and people, I, I, I stood up, and I was in a rant talking to the person I saw it with, and people started gathering around me, listening to me talking about why I was so disappointed in this movie. Like, I had drawn a crowd after the, the, the credits for all the people that stayed. I mean, think about that. Think about that. And they, if they disagreed with me, they would have just walked on by. But I had a crowd saying how this was the Superman Returns of Star Trek. Ooh. Yes. Yes. And hey, I just... Hey. Brandon Routh did a decent job. I'm not knocking Brandon Routh. It just was bad writing. And it wasn't compelling enough. That's the problem. I thought felt Brandon Routh played a good, a very good Superman. He was a better Superman, however, in Crisis on Infinite Earths. 
I haven't seen it. I know I need to see it. I need to so see everything. I need really to see good. everything. Um, I bet I bet he was fantastic, and I bet that the fan the satisfaction of seeing him play Superman again. Boom. Yeah, everybody. There was a lot of satisfaction in that. That was one of the it, best crossovers I've ever seen. We talked about this in our last episode about how DC TV played for the fans. They wrote for the fans. They were better. Berlanti and crew, uh, I think, were better. But again, he kind of developed his own MCU on TV, the Arrowverse. You know, they were all interconnected. True, but, I mean, that's what we were talking about, so. Um, you know, that's my thought about Star Trek Into Darkness. Okay. <laughs> Good thought. I think it would have changed. I think it would have changed the Kelvin timeline or the Kelvin movie business dramatically. And I don't think it would have been nearly as rejected as it was. Well, it would not have. We, the uh, OG fan base would not have William Shatner all over it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that being said. So here's something, and you'll, you, this is kind of, you know, part and parcel and spinoffs and whatever of, of other discussions we've had, but what would things look like if they actually promoted and moved people up and out in Star Trek? <laughs> just, just look at, just look at who actually moved up and out. Well, in I don't, I can't the original series, out. in the original series, you got really nobody. No. In the movies, though, they did start branching out. Like, remember, Chekhov was on the Reliant. In, in Wrath of Khan, mm-hmm. Sulu eventually takes over the Excelsior. Um, Only because had, he and he and Shatner could not be in the same stage. Right, but then at you that also, point, but then you also get. Star Trek, the motion picture, where almost almost nobody's on the Enterprise. This is true. McCoy's retired. Spock's taken a leave of absence. Kirk gets promoted. All the others are still there. Um, but then when this crisis comes up and Kirk kind of maneuvers his way back in and then he hauls bones out of retirement and Spock well shows up on his own. <laughs> <laughs> but uh there you know you get that. And uh Chekhov gets a promotion. Looks like he's the first officer on the Reliant, maybe. hmm Yeah. But then he comes well then he comes back because the, the Reliant was destroyed and the crew was kind of marooned and I guess they rescued them they kind of mentioned that in the, the epilogue you know of the wrath of khan that they're going to go grab all the survivors of the reliant crew yeah, the, yeah and they all kind of putter back into space dock and uhura takes a job working somewhere on earth scotty gets assigned to the excelsior bones gets basically locked up in a mental asylum or star in, trek 3 in, in is the least watched world. star trek of mine out of all of them i've seen yeah. it twice Total. 
and Spock it's is not dead. Bad. And, and well, yeah, Spock's dead. It's not bad. It's Savage like Leonard, it's Leonard Nimoy's directorial debut. Right. No, it wasn't a uh, terrible movie. And you get Christopher Lloyd as a pretty good bad guy. Yeah. I do. We know why Leonard Nimoy was so eager to kill off Spock. I've heard a million different reasons. Tired of playing it, or more impactful. It's kind of like Han Solo with Harrison Ford. How there's, you know, there was kind of that love-hate relationship with the character. Remember, he almost didn't come back. He was not going to come back for Star Trek Phase Two. He didn't. No, he they actually had to pay him a lot of money to come back for the motion picture. But was he? Was he uh, making a big income post Star Trek outside of that? I don't think he was. He was trying to distance himself so he wasn't typecast. He spent like a were. he spent a year on Mission Impossible, I think. Um, he remember he hosted In Search of, which was basically tangentially sci-fi. That was great. Yeah, that was great. I loved that. I loved that that show. Uh, he, he he did some voice work, you know, but he guest starred on a lot of things. He did the stage plays. Remember, did I sh- send you the video of uh, the uh, the screenshot of uh, I guess it was a, a play poster from when he was doing Sherlock Holmes? Uh, yeah, he did. That was a while ago, though. Yeah, but he, he did. I mean, he was trying to branch out. He, you know, he was a, he was a pop culture icon even then. And, you know. And but, it, it, but, but we're getting ahead. down a rabbit hole. I know. So. One last thing about that, and then we'll we'll go back real quick. I guess my thought is I'm too influenced by what the stars are doing now versus what it was like 30 years ago in the 90s. Never mind the 60s or the 70s, where you didn't want to be back then. You didn't want to be typecast, so you could have all these possible different roles. Whereas now Hollywood is becoming so franchise oriented. You don't I mean, you want to find that one role that'll keep you that'll keep you earning. And then you get a guy like Chris Evans that doesn't want to be pigeonholed to Captain America and a couple of his first big roles. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is kind of an exception. I I say that because it's not really that hard since the early 80s. (laughs) Let's not forget that his personality in a lot of ways is Tony Stark. Like anyway, of course. I mean, that's the only reason why he was Tony Stark. He was Tony Stark. But Chris Evans is, first of all, he's a masshole, so he thinks higher of himself than he really is. Let's be honest. Well, doesn't he also have like some? Isn't it like social anxiety or something like that? Uh, I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that. I, I mean, you could be right, I, but I've not heard anything like that. He's also been very interested in getting behind the camera. So, And I respect that. I respect that. But the idea of being so eager to shed this one role that made you the star. Well, he's also pretty happy with how the story's tied up, so he doesn't really want to. And I'll agree I, with that. I too. can respect that. Yep. But uh, again, I, I'm not. He didn't I'm have to die at the, the end of Endgame. What if Captain America didn't go back in time? 
Oh, man, it would just be like all over, waking up from the ice all over again for him, though, in a lot of ways. What do you mean? What do you mean? What no, What if he didn't have to go back in time at the end of Endgame? What if he was still there? Would we have a better Phase 4? Well, I mean, you would have another legacy character. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, I mean uh, you, let's you, be you lose. Bruce Banner's you, not a leader. No, he's Bruce. But let me finish my shit. Sorry. It's sad that you have to yell at me like that to make me listen. I tried to get you off the down the rabbit hole on the Spock thing. I, I, I when was I talking about Spock? I'm not talking about Spock oh. right now. <laughs> Anyway, you get, you know, uh, but then again, they're all in Star Trek four. They're all on the run, so it doesn't really matter. But on Star Trek five, they're all back on the Enterprise. Star Trek six. Yeah. With Star Trek six, only one guy leaves, right? These are people with 20 plus year careers in Starfleet, <laughs> most of whom are exceptional at their jobs. The best yeah. of the best. Right. And, you know, you in Star Trek six, you literally had three captains on the starship. <laughs> Let's see. Spock, Kirk and Scott. Scotty he was he was promoted to captain of engineers aboard the Excelsior. He actually was a captain. He was. You're right. They they called him Captain in in um, relics in in the next generation. Yeah. And then, holy shit! You know, it's, I didn't realize that. And then you get Scotty and Kirk and and Chekhov are the only ones. McCoy's retired. Spock's been doing diplomacy, and everybody else is in, you know every other place. I mean, yes. We know that all the actors didn't want to come back for small roles in generations, but still. The next generation, you have some people on the same ship for seven years. Now, granted, yes, you're out beyond. It's kind of like, you know, these old, you know, naval vessels, like the English naval vessels, like beyond like two-year trips to the, you know, hunting the French you know, around into the Pacific where they're gone for like two years. <laughs> like these whaling ships that are gone for so long. But, I mean, Tasha dies, so Worf gets a promotion. Picard doesn't get a promotion. Riker doesn't get a promotion. Data doesn't get a promotion. Beverly doesn't get a promotion. Jordy gets promoted twice. Just in the he span of seven years. He was Lieutenant JG. Jordy. He was Lieutenant and JG. Lieutenant. Lieutenant. The Lieutenant Commander. Lieutenant Commander. Yep. He got promoted and, they never made a show in, three, in two straight seasons. No, no. He's just, it's more rank. <laughs> Which just goes to show you how important Jordy was. My God. Yeah. But We've then you see reason. all of the... You, you see all of these amazing things that all of these people do. And yes, the only time you really see is like, you know, a couple of times like, Hey, Riker, we want to promote you. He's like, no, I'd rather stay on the enterprise for Mm -hmm. TV. 
uh, you remember the you know the alternate ending idea that they had for second chances? Uh, no, I don't actually. So, um, an early in the captain's logs book. It was. It's in. You can find them on Memory Alpha. You can find them in some of these older Star Trek companion books. Um, But one of the things that they wanted to do, or had kicked around the idea of killing off William Riker Prime, then you could promote Data to first officer and. The character that became Thomas Riker, Lieutenant, is now Lieutenant, Lieutenant Thomas Riker, Riker, or he would have been probably would have stayed Lieutenant William Riker. Wasn't um, Data was ops, so Riker yes. would have been sitting on the the left side screen, yes. screen left. So Riker would have become the ops guy. Data would yeah. have been promoted to first officer, which would have been a pretty drastic shakeup. When you think about it, yeah. To the formula. I don't think the audience. I don't think the audience would have forgiven that. Not then. That was something that you could pull on a show now. You can do it now because the audience is a little bit more sophisticated. But then, I don't. I don't think that would have been forgivable. It probably wouldn't have been as well received. But I tell you. I like the idea because it's fascinating. I, I think is. that is that that and, breaks and, every single notion about television. I mean, and we we've seen things break the status quo. Yeah, it, it it almost feels sacrilegious now, but I could see it happening on a modern show now. Yeah, I mean. Uh... But but, but getting back to it, but then that changes everything. Data does get finally promoted. Now you've got Riker, who you kind of hope you'll get to see maybe him get promoted at some point. It changes the entire dynamic of the ship where Mm -hmm. now you have a change where now Picard has to. This would have been some great character development where Picard and Data have to adjust to the new command structure. Everybody has to adjust to the new it, they kind of did it a little bit when Terry Farrell left Deep Space Nine, and people are readjusting to the new Dax for a few. Which episodes. was very well done, by the way. I thought I it would was. hate her. I thought I would hate her, but the it writers. It's just hard to hate Nicole DeBoer. You can't, as you can't Esri. hate her, and the writers did a very good job of introducing her. They yeah, did, especially after the front office screwed. <laughs> Screwed the pooch with. I mean, Rick Berman. Did, yeah. Terry Farrell wanted out, right? She wanted reduced episodes. That's what it was. That's what it was. She didn't want Which, complete out, but and Rick Berman, it's like you're not dedicated to me. I will ruin you, because that's who Rick Berman is. Yeah, I mean, we saw you know, and we saw that with Tasha. But I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the only way we got more of Worf was they killed Tasha. But I mean, what if and, and they could have done it in the movies? And I've heard, I've seen a couple of videos was like, well, what what if they actually did promote what after it? And I, I had heard a few people say Generations was the perfect time. They blew up the Enterprise. Worf's the only one who goes somewhere else. 
<laughs> but if you were to listen to if if you had read Shatner's The Return, which was the sequel to Ashes of Eden, and, and the crew of the the main crew of the Enterprise were all over the place. So, you know, resurrected Kirk was hunting them down in all different places. It's so sad for me that I had those both those books in hardback. And I don't know what happened to them. They're gone. Do you have all your books? No, I I got rid of a lot of them over the years. Half Price Books has taken quite a lot of them over the years. Yeah. I I came across my Amzadi book by Peter David. And I read the first page. You're you're rolling your eyes at me. You don't want me to go on this road. No, no, I'm not. But we've got to get back to the topic at hand. Anyway, doing, I just gotta say, Peter Davis writing a different a different breed from what I'm seeing from modern writers now. Yeah, he's very good. He's a very good writer. Yeah. Let me tell you, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more shakeup in the movies. You could have pulled it off, like let let you know Riker could have taken command of his own starship, and eventually they, he did. But yeah, right. But in the Battle of Sector Zero Zero One, they the Enterprise could have rescued the survivors of that ship plus the survivors of the Defiant or something like that. Yeah, yeah, Uh, because because Riker would have been captain, and we saw that captain goes down with the ship, though, doesn't it? Doesn't he? Picard had several ships go down on. That's true. Little different sentiment in the in the Star Trek universe, I guess. <laughs> right, Captain but, is the but, last one off, <laughs> which I can respect that. I'll respect uh, that. But I mean, the only time that we saw people getting ready to leave the Enterprise was in Nemesis. Riker and Troy are going to the Titan. Beverly's going to Starfleet Medical. Data's supposed to be the first officer. Jordy and Worf. Okay, but I mean, by that time, you, you get all of this. You could have done it with the movies, is a little part, maybe a little easier than with a TV show, right? Mm hmm. Because movies, movies anticipate a big change. Well, you'd think so, but the next gen never did that. The next gen movies didn't, aside from no. giving them all new uniforms and a new ship. Yes, that's it. Everybody's back. By the way, how unusual would that have been? I mean, that's never done, right? Where where the entire say. bridge crew, the command crew of a ship, like in the navy, that went down. Pe- which do you know how many people would actually turn down command of their own vessel? None, because that's insubordination. Well, it's ridiculous. <laughs> You're right. But it's also ridiculous. I mean, you would be you would be probably court-martialed for insubordination. You wouldn't. You'd probably be retired. Like, uh, okay. Like, oh, you don't want command? <laughs> Now you can turn down command bills in the military if you're if or actually you don't generally turn them down. You actually have to apply to command billets, mm-hmm. command track. 
So if you're not looking to command something, sure, but you can't like, oh, I'm going to, I don't think I've ever heard anybody turning down a promotion in the active military. So. Uh. <laughs> and we don't stay together nearly that long anyway, particularly as no. officers. You know, you're usually, you can be in a unit, you know, sometimes two, three years tops most places. You're not generally in them very long because there's not mm-hmm. enough career advancement within that unit. No, not at all. But so, and, you know, the pyramid narrows the higher up you go. So, you know, you can't keep the whole crew together because you're going to run into people vying for the same position. Mm-hmm. So, it's an interesting perspective, but you could clearly see what happened. I mean, Deep Space Nine did change things up a little. Cisco got promoted. They all got promoted, and Deep Space Nine got beefier. I mean, you got yes. to see, like, the Enterprise D didn't change from, you know, Encounter at Farpoint to Generations. And the Enterprise E didn't really seem to change. Deep Space Nine changed. They beefed it up. They brought stuff in. There seemed to be more Starfleet personnel there, particularly when the war was on, then it was a big hub. It became more and more important. Yep. There was always so a, they, a Starfleet ship around. They always, and they upgraded everything. So then during it the way of the like warrior, repair bases and all this stuff, too. I my mean, mouth dropped. Right. But then, yeah. It looks like throughout the course of the season, Cisco gets promoted, Dax gets promoted, Bashir gets promoted, O'Brien gets promoted, Kira gets promoted. Yeah, true. They all get promoted. Nog gets promoted. Ezri gets promoted. They do better at promotions on Deep Space Nine. They have a little bit room to grow, um, but... It's it's funny because it's a, it's a space station, so there's room to grow, which, you know, a space station is stationary. Yeah. As opposed to a, a starship, which is moving all the time, which would you would think would allow for the plot to, to advance better. But no, somehow it worked better on Deep Space Nine. Yeah, uh, and they did, but, you know, people didn't transfer off of Deep Space Nine. Uh, unless they... <laughs> Shuffled off that mortal coil. Yeah, that's true. They only, they only, they only transferred off after the final episode. Yeah, but I mean, in some ways, Deep Space Nine was almost an entirely different place from the first couple of years to the last few years too. True. I mean, it's definitely different than it was at the from the beginning of Emissary to the end of Emissary. <laughs> but. Still, you know, somebody like Cisco became more than just the commander of the station, though. He got a starship. He was almost like the the chief. He was almost like the sector commander of that area. Particularly once he became a captain. Yeah. So, I mean, it's more than that. And he always had like a larger role even as a captain, which is interesting, in the in in the war, right? He was almost he like promoted, he was a, he a got rear admiral. Promoted once, he, which 
you could have pulled off because most of the star bases we've ever seen were led by admirals. That's true. You're absolutely right. Actually, you could have shoot. promoted you could have promoted Cisco to admiral. Commander Worf taking over command of the Defiant. I mean, come on, you could have done it. Cisco could have functioned in almost the same role, but then you could have brought in two Defiant class ships or something. Yeah, you could have. Yeah. You could you could have had a defiant docked at every one of the three major portholes during the mm-hmm. Dominion War, and, but still he was really kind of in in some ways he was kind of like a commodore or a fleet captain, something that's kind of a title but not a different rank. Well, it's kind interesting of how hard I... was during uh, Redemption Part Two. We had that whole fleet of ships. Yeah, that's right. Again, Picard um, turned down a promotion to Admiral 2 during the next generation, leading up to conspiracy, remember? That's true. And that was very early in the show. And um, let's not remember Picard was captain of the Stargazer for 22 years. <laughs> for 22 years, by the way. 22 years. That's insane. Yep. And then he was that, captain that of the Enterprise work. D for like eight years. And captain of the Enterprise E for, we know it was at least seven years there, too. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to stay with the Star Trek theme. You're talking about promotions and everything. You're right. It would have changed everything. What they showed was unrealistic. What if they showed the Next Generation crew in a Deep Space Nine episode during the Dominion War? And I know that probably would have been hard, but that would have been excellent. Seeing the Sovereign class docked at Deep Space Nine would have looked epic. And just amazing. it would be interesting to see the dynamic between Picard and Cisco at After that point. That, at that point, because yes. at that point, Cisco is, as we've established, is Commodore of the area. Something like mm-hmm. that. So he was in charge of that sector, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and those two personalities are just so strong. We've talked about that confrontation they had in the pilot. Uh <laughs> I'm not even asking to see the whole cast, by the way. All I wanted was when they were checking in, each ship was checking in on the the assault on Cardassia, that we heard Captain Picard, USS Enterprise, battle ready, or whatever it was that they were doing. That's all I needed to hear. I just needed to hear Patrick Stewart's voice say that, and then it would have been done for me. Done. It, Done. I, it was not even a big expectation for that. Probably would have been easier to have Frakes do Riker. This is the Enterprise in position. They could have done Just that. Because, because he directed episodes of... Yeah. He would have done that for DS9. scale, by the way. Thomas Riker. He would have done that for scale. He wouldn't. <laughs> and in fact, if it's just a line, I think you get paid cameo money at most. 
Like <laughs> that, yeah, uh, I would have loved episode, that. He, he probably would have done it. Yeah, I, there was nothing. There would have been nothing to stop that from. You're right. It could have been easily Riker, Commander Riker, USS Enterprise, standing by. You you don't even need to hear. This is Riker. You you just hit, have him say, "Enterprise in position." Enterprise in position. That's something like that. Yeah, something like you, that. You would know his voice. You would know his voice because they wouldn't. Have... <laughs> because the idea of of the Enterprise crew not being involved in the Dominion War doesn't make sense. And being on the forefront of that, too, by the way. Like, front line. Well, again, some of the... It's, it's the reason they used in Discovery for why the Enterprise was still on the frontier. They did. It would have been a huge morale loss to lose the flagship, to lose their best in some battle. Uh, that's not that's not that's not how real navies work though. I mean it, no, it's still and that, a big that's morale if if we were to lose the Eisenhower or something like that, that would be a big morale loss. Isn't but it, it wouldn't be like, like uh, the the flagship I, or... I'm just making a point. If we were to yeah if we were to lose an aircraft carrier in this day and age right now, that would be a big morale that shock. Awful. That would I would I would freak out and go to the mountains right away. I don't yeah. care. Like, if we lost an aircraft carrier nowadays, a super carrier, forget about it. I know. But, again, that's my point. Yeah. You're right. Um, <laughs> uh, so, I would have loved to seen an episode with most of the Enterprise crew, the, ge- the Next Generation crew, in DS9 against Dominion. But I would have been very happy with a voice... Uh, cameo. Well, here's, something that always, here's something that always bothered me, right? Riker shows up on Deep Space Nine. Riker shows up in Voyager. Troy shows up in Deep Space Nine. I mean, couldn't we have got like uh, uh, Crusher? Troy's mother. She showed up, yeah. Yeah. But, but I mean, would it have been so hard to get Gates McFadden or LeVar Burton? Jordy showed up on fucking Voyager. Would it yeah, have been the, so well, hard the, to the, get the Jordy to show finale. up to help to help O'Brien refit? No, it wasn't the series finale. It was that uh they Chakotay and um and Harry Kim are the only survivors and they oh, go back in time. Yeah, and he was captain of the Providence. That's right. I thought it was a right. serious finale. You're right, it's not. No. Reg they Barkley, Barkley was in the season. And Barkley was in the season for the, the series finale. Series finale. Yeah. What it would have been Barkley hard to bring up on Deep Space Nine. Reg Barkley would have been a real fish out of water on Deep Space Nine. Just imagine him talking to Quark. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, he would have been. I mean, do you think Barkley is a trusting soul? Because I think so. And Quark would have done everything to just take advantage of him. I think he would have had a harder time talking to Cisco than he would talking to Picard. I can see it. I can see it standing in, in his office yeah, in <laughs> with Ops behind him. And, and Barkley's eyes are closed like, I can, can, can tell you. <laughs> Which, by the way, again, another Proof that Barkley is another one of the greatest heroes in Starfleet. 
because he had to overcome crippling addictions, insecurities, and was still a very competent engineer who several times showed that he earned his place on the flagship. Was he socially awkward? Sure. But you know who else was pretty socially awkward? Jordy. Yep. At least when it came to the members of the opposite sex, he was pretty well-liked and social with his friends. <laughs> Extremely popular and, and such, but still. Plus, he had that that uh, roll out of engineering down. Oh yeah, the the roll. The roll was like <laughs> the Indiana roll under the, the 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 falling the the falling door. Yeah, the closing the, yeah, the closing door. door yeah. yeah, he did that a couple times. He had coolant leak. We have a coolant leak. Commander Force ordering the evacuation of all engineering. I I, I think that's a, a a fascinating what if, you know what if people actually. That would have been a great scene at like the end of let let's say Nemesis wasn't wasn't as poorly received, you know, mm-hmm. or maybe you change Nemesis a little bit and Riker's already on the Titan and comes to help Picard and company. Mm-hmm. What if you get? Captain Worf aboard the USS Defiant or something like that. What, you know, it would be nice to see these people having real lives. No, I agree. I agree. Well, you're talking about an advancement after time, and you don't have that with television, though. You do. And we've seen it. We've seen it with DS9 and, and all that stuff. But you, what you're doing, I feel, and this isn't a criticism. I just feel like it seems like you're trying to extend the seasons more. No, but if you just do it with the movies, there's years between movies. I mean, it would make sense, you know, definitely after generations. Mm hmm. Uh, I mean, it, you, you could see it. I mean, can you how much more interesting would some of these movies have been if they did like the Kirk and Sulu thing that they did in Star Trek Six? Um, it would have been a lot better. I'm just saying they could have done that a little bit here and there, you know. I agree. Uh. <laughs> So, do you have any others? We've kind of beat this one. We, we we did. We're almost an hour and 40 into the recording now. Um, which is actually like an hour and 35. I don't have anything else top of mind. I really wanted to talk about the, the Next Generation crew and the Dominion War, which we saw elements of in, a, in the book with Troy trying to liberate Beta Zed. Oh, that was a good book. Did, yeah, you you read it? You liked it? Oh yeah, I've read it like twice. What, was what, what was it like? What, I mean, what did she do? Just give me the beats. So they tie in Deep Space Nine, uh, and they tie in a character who was developed for the Deep Space Nine relaunch, mm-hmm. uh, a 100-year-old human by the name of Elias Vaughn, 
who was from Starfleet Intelligence, who was like a career covert operative and intelligence officer. And then when this character kind of got popular, when they did the Lost Error novels, mm-hmm. they actually show one of his first missions, I want to say might have been with the Enterprise B. As okay. A, as a young Because remember, by the yeah. 2370s, he's 100 years old. Yeah. No, no, no. I got you. It turns out he's an old family friend of the Troys. He was friends with Troy's father, Ian, and was there when he died. He's become a friend of Picard's. He, there's just a lot of interesting things about this guy. Because he was so long-lived, they had a chance to have him um, pop up in different timelines but he at this point he was still in and eventually in the ds9 relaunch kira takes over command of the station and vaughn is the new starfleet basically first officer and commander of the defiant so Mm -hmm. but anyway he shows up and beta z's conquered the enterprise is assigned to lead a strike team to drop people to help the Betazoid resistance. So Vaughn is part of the team along with Deanna while the Enterprise and a few ships do some hit and run tactics along uh, and they do get some help from the Defiant with Worf and O'Brien on board. They get a cameo a little. It was, it was an interesting one, especially the way they figured out how to defeat the Jem'Hadar and liberate Beta Zed. Uh, but, you know, some of these what-ifs that we see now from TV, they did very well in the books or alternate versions. You know, Star Wars is filled with that, with uh, so many people um, enjoying the old expanded universe. Uh, but... You know, you you get those all these fascinating what ifs. Uh, Star Wars has, you know, you could, you know, what if Ahsoka uh, never left the Order, and would that have helped keep Anakin falling from the dark side? What if the Jedi or the, the somebody else? learned about the plot to overthrow the Jedi. Somebody, uh, you know, got their hands on the 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 uh, information that Fives discovered in that arc of the Clone Wars. You know? I would love to explore the idea of Ahsoka not leaving the Order. Because you're right, it would totally affect... Anakin, she would have been around to influence him. Yep. And that would have been a a fascinating one. I mean, I would love to see Filoni and Favreau do like an uh, an anthology series, kind of like a, I mean, they're Disney. If they did a what if using the world between worlds from Rebels. (laughs) Yeah. You could see. 
what if or what if Mace Windu's attempt on Palpatine succeeded? What if Anakin actually joins him instead of stops him? What if they waited for Yoda and Obi-Wan to show up and they all go in together? You're right. Would have been interesting. Uh, yeah. You know, there, there's a lot of great what ifs with Star Wars. You know, uh, you have so much like what if Ahsoka and Ezra were still around when Luke was really training? What if they had were around to help the rebellion? Yeah. And then you have three powerful force users. What if Leia was trained as a Jedi and chose to be open with her Jedi powers? What if somebody actually frickin' believed her about the the First Order? <laughs> That's what I found irritating about this. One of the things irritating about the sequel trilogy, just the fact that the First Order was out there Prominent, prominent people in the Senate were saying it's out there and they didn't listen to Leia. They didn't listen to her. So, and, and here's the interesting thing. So I guess in some of these, in like the Aftermath trilogy, these books that are supposed to help. I Smooth guess they're over books the plot like, holes. <laughs> or bridge between the original and the sequel trilogy. It's, it's, called, guess, it's called Patchwork. It is, <laughs> um, but they also do this where, I guess, Leia's heritage as Darth Vader's daughter was used as a smear campaign to, to you know, force her out of politics. Mm-hmm. In the in the expanded universe, the old, in in the legends, they were upfront and open that. Luke and Leia were the children of Darth Vader, and they owned it up front. And so Leia eventually rises to be head of the New Republic, succeeding Mon Mothma, and was head of the New Republic for like a decade. Um, in which case, the New Republic was in better shape to fight <laughs> threats. But um, yeah, that would have been better to see somebody who as important as Leia having to go back underground. I mean, the, the, one of the big beefs about The Force Awakens, which was probably the best of the prequel trilogy, was that it was almost the exact same movie as A New Hope. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the big, powerful, evil foe. Lord, it's With a Death Star. With a Death Star. Well, that's what irritated the shit out of me. And, you know, my geek friend who I wanted to bring on this podcast, but he can't find the time. Uh, I understand Dude, why he's, it, he's got I a lot on his it. plate. No, he's got a lot on his plate. I'm not going to trust me. I know. Fair. I know. I understand what you're saying. I understand what you're saying. He's got a lot on his plate professionally, and he's got four kids. Like, there's a lot going on. Okay. <laughs> a lot. Um, I went to him about three days after seeing The Force Awakens, and I went, I've got some thoughts that I don't feel comfortable with. 
I just feel like JJ was like, and then we'll take this 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 type uh, this the uh, this X wing and go pew 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 pew, and it's gonna fly inside this this planet and go pew pew pew, <coughs> and uh, and then I'm like, this just feels too much like the trench run, and it was basically retelling a New Hope. And he it looked at me and he run. goes, and he looked at me and he goes, why are you destroying things I like? And I said, because I don't want to. I'm just showing the reality on reality's terms. But well, every time I, I would it. had a critique, which I feel like with you too, is I'm shitting on That's something you fair. love. I'm shitting on something you love, and I feel bad for it. Hey, look, we're allowed to have these different points. We're more shocked when we agree on shit than when we don't. We are, actually. (laughs) Well, I think that's good that we don't share the same brain on all of this. I think it's helpful. Otherwise, this (laughs) would be a pretty humble. I thought it was was a good episode. I agree. I agree, too. Moving on. It would be like that Saturday Night Live skit, what, the sweaty balls. With the the sweaty balls. The the, the hmm. two ladies on there who are so these, soft and bland, and they agree on everything. These 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 sweaty balls are very salty. Yes, Such I I, I do I do like to season my balls before they're put in your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> You went there. I had to go keep going. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, (laughs) I'll I'll say this, man. I I think we could have done more with that. But that's what's so great about these Disney Plus shows is that we're seeing new ground tread. We're seeing new planets. They're not all desert worlds. I agree. And I like that. I like that. It's not fucking Tatooine. Everything is Tatooine. They're also visiting places that they have been mentioned or have been just glanced at. Like we got to see more of Alderaan. Actual see Alderaan. Which we is, actually got to see Alderaan, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, which is good. Which looks remarkably like Northern California. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It looks remarkably like... Um, oh, they filmed it in England, didn't they? Probably. Yeah, Needless to say... Such fantastic things you could do with the what ifs in Star Wars. What if, what if uh, Yoda came out of hiding earlier? What if Yoda defeated Palpatine? Well, that's a, that's a big what if, right? I, I I always felt that Yoda just bitched out. Like they they were still fighting him. He may have been a little tired. He fell a long way. But I, I don't think I don't think he ended the battle honorably in Re- Revenge of the Sith. You know. And I think Yoda might have been done a little dirty with that, too. <laughs> I, I agreed. Right. It didn't it didn't feel like Yoda. He fell down into a vent and then he's like, well, that's it. I got to get out of here. Like, yeah. After he reversed a force push on one of the the Senate pods, he reversed it 
on the Emperor. He showed he was stronger than the Emperor. Or at least as strong. Or as strong. And yet at that point when it showed he he was shown any kind of adversity whatsoever, he's like, I gotta get out of here. That's what happens when you paint yourself into a corner with a prequel. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I mean, you could have shown him horribly injured or something. I don't know if the audience would have would have stomached the idea of a broken armed Yoda with bruises. Could have been done. Maybe you could have just had more of Palpatine's goons show up. Uh, yeah, an unfair advantage in that in that degree. You're right. That that could have happened. We all know well, Palpatine doesn't play fair. He doesn't. So all of his force focus would have been on Palpatine, but he couldn't put his tactical focus, his physical tactical focus on on the stormtroopers. Yep. So I mean, that would have been an interesting what if. Uh, yeah. One of the things I've always found interesting is what if Padme lived would she have helped the rebel alliance um I mean in that remember that cut scene where it's her and Bail Organa and Genevieve O'Reilly's uh Mon Mothma and a few others meeting to basically hint that they're going to oppose this change of the republic i don't think so yeah you're right that's an interesting thought crud man crud that would have been a fascinating story you've got yeah padme padme raising her twins to fight and, and maybe she, and maybe she assumes that her Husband is dead and doesn't realize that Vader is Anakin until some later meeting. Maybe she goes into hiding like Yoda and Obi-Wan. Or, yeah, she would go into hiding. But then she would have squared off with with Vader, Anakin, and Anakin would have had to kill her. Yes, I think that would be what happens. That would have to be what happens, right? Because she's in such contradiction to what he served up to that point. He literally is her, himself in Vader because of his love and fear of losing her. Or what if they were not so douchey and like... Talked? No, no, like at least... Anakin force pusher or something and she not just hits her head but like breaks her spine and they have to do emergency surgery to save the twins but she doesn't die of a broken heart she dies of you know things that most people die of fucking in in, in horrible accidents at least given her death you know there was a I guess some ideas where Padme actually comes with the Intent to possibly kill Anakin with a knife or something like that. So, hmm, yeah, no, that's true. What if Padme and Anakin adopt baby Yoda, Grogu, <laughs> and they don't even have the the kids; they just raise Grogu. Jesus, you are reaching. You are reaching, sir. <laughs> I'm you're I'm beginning to you're beginning to lose me now. 
No, I'm you're kidding gonna lose on me. that one. I'm I'm kidding on that one. But something else that would have been interesting if if you look at the Clone Wars, what would happen if the Mandalorians actually picked a side in the Clone Wars? Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. That would have been something fascinating. That would have been something fascinating. We you know, there's see. a lot of things. The Clone Wars show really gave you a lot of what ifs. What if? What if Ahsoka doesn't leave the order? What if Obi Wan had chosen to leave the order for Satine? What if Dooku never leaves the order? Mm-hmm. What if Qui Gon lives? What if Obi Wan doesn't get that mullet in Episode Two? Well, there are all kinds of what ifs. I mean, you're right. I, I mean, I'm just thinking about not not throwing out all you know general thoughts real quick or mind benders, but like delving right. into it real big. Do we need to do a part two on this? I think we could. Honestly, this is just this. We did mostly Star Trek, and then we just got to Star Wars before because I mean. You could have all sorts of things. I mean, it really looked for a long... I mean, Palpatine had everything laid out at Return of the Jedi. It could have been very... Yeah. Or what if they... Or what if the, the Death Star had just blown up Yavin before they went after the moon? Yeah. No, no, no. It's true. It's true. All right. So we're probably going to... We know what we're doing next week. Lower right? decks. Lower decks. Uh, so maybe a topic thereafter. Perhaps. Some further what ifs. And here's something else, though. Before we wrap up, I have started watching Tales of the Jedi. Uh, I heard good things by people who are very critical of Star Wars. Yeah, they just dropped all six. All of them, huh? Episodes. Yep. Okay. That's not well, most of them aren't style, longer but... than most of them aren't like some of them are anywhere from like 15 to 20 minutes. They're not long. They're called shorts. Yes. Some of them. yes. The first two is the first one is like basically Ahsoka's origin story. And then the next one it shows you. Uh, Master Dooku with Padawan Qui-Gon Jinn being sent to find uh, figure out a dispute. Okay. Interesting. And, and they're really well done. The graphics, they're like, you know, season seven Clone Wars, you know, that level of you know, season one of Bad Batch, that level of epicness. And there's a bit of a cinematic quality to it because, like, there's a lot of... I, I mean, the, the, the cinematography for this is great. It's almost like you're watching people zoom in with a camera in real life. It, you know, it's pretty good. Um, the music is solid. It's... And they they bring back a lot of the voice actors from the Clone Wars. Good, 
Good. I'm I'm glad they did that. Because it's essentially like a prequel to the Clone Wars. Well, it is, <laughs> right? Uh, I mean... <laughs> but the, the so, animation just continues to get better with these projects. They kept and the polygons, but it had better effects, basically. Resolution and... Yeah. The, the characters are more expressive with their mm-hmm. visual cues. They move more naturally. You can tell at times that some of them are, you know, it's still the computer animation and not a mocap like certain things look like, you know, Bruce Banner, you know, moves more naturally because of the motion capture. Yeah. So. Well, needless okay. to say, I recommend it. They're pretty good. I can't wait to finish the rest of them this weekend. It won't take long. I, I should probably watch it, too. We could probably mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit too after we finish Lower Decks, which I need to do. Hey, because <laughs> look, dude, we now have some stuff on the docket <laughs> as opposed to each texting ourselves, each other, uh, an hour During before week, recording like... time. An hour before recording time. Hey, do we have a topic today? Nope. <laughs> I thought we had a topic well, today. Well, shit, what do we want to talk about? I don't know. What do you want to talk about? I don't know. <laughs> well, crap, now we got to think about it. So this yeah, is genuinely almost a full two hours worth of topic talk, by the way. Yeah, and we went even longer the other day, too. So Yeah. Anyway, I think uh, I think we do need to do a part two on this one. Some more what ifs. Um, okay. And here's hoping that between now and when we actually record this, we get it at least a teaser of what if season two. <laughs> I really think, and with this without stealing, you could do a Dis- uh, Disney Plus what if Star Wars animated series. Yeah. Interesting. Again, I mean, man, because, you know, it's so funny because it's too late to talk about it now. You're right. I mean, if if you can get if you can get Billy D. Williams to voice the Lego version of himself, you could get. Hello, Peter. Yeah. No, like the the Lego side of the pillow. (laughs) Yeah, but he does the like he does all the Disney Lego Star Wars. Oh, sure. As Lando. Yeah. If you can if he'll sign on for that. uh, He signed on to do a Rebels episode. Why not? Or you could get (laughs) Donald Glover and and, um, Alden Ehrenreich to come in and do it. Yeah. This is true. Well, that being said, anything else? Oh, my, yes. You always have something uh, else to say. I think we should uh, wrap it up. Okay. Well, and everybody, uh, oh, shoot, I forgot how to wrap it up. Do you want to do it? <laughs> well, yeah, it, tell us about how they can reach us. Okay. Well, everybody, you can reach us at those sci-fi guys on Twitter, which hopefully still exists tomorrow after Elon Musk takes it over. Uh, you could definitely email us, those sci-fi guys at gmail.com. Go to our website, www 
those sci-fi guys.com. Yeah, we don't have new news on that of that webpage. It's just episodes. You can go to our archives, look at all that, although they're all available on what you listen to here. On that note, thank you so much for listening. You guys keep dreaming. We'll keep working. So long, everybody. And what if we see you all on some other high ground? I want to close out with the Twilight Zone theme song. The scary door. (laughs) We will see you on the high ground next time. Those Sci-Fi Guys is an independent broadcast by AlphaSite Productions, produced by DT Cavman and P.S. McKay. Music courtesy of Kevin Cloud at Incompetech.com. For more information on upcoming episodes, follow P.S. McKay on Twitter at P.S. McKay, or go to thosescifiguys.com for past episode information.